Shut up and sit down. We cyclists are a funny old breed. We are. What type of rider are you? I'm just a regular bloke with a regular bike. I'm your average dad who enjoys a nice ride. I wear lycra and fluoro when I'm riding at night. I piss everybody off and ignore the red lights. My life, my rights, don't you know who we are? Cable ties on my helmet and I pretend I'm a car. Hello, my faithful listeners. You are listening to The Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. You can now listen to the guys ramble on about riding bikes and possibly some triathlon mumbo-jumbo, or you can just keep hitting the 15-second rewind button and hang out with me. After all, we know that's why you came here. Your legs, your legs, your legs, your legs. I ride really slow in the middle of the lane while drivers behind me are going. That sounds about right. I'm a Hello and welcome to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Vondering and today I'm here with Evan Price. I'm sitting in Lance's chair. Do I have to say the Lance Romance yes. thing? Yes, I'm sitting do. here today with Evan Romance. Evan Romance. Nice. Oh, that feels good. Okay. It'll be gone by next week, but it'll last one, one podcast. How's it going? Good. And everybody's friend, Mr. Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the interwebs? <laughs> and today, Lance is on a boat. Literally on, on a boat. On a boat. Cue music. Yeah. Yeah. There is a boat song somewhere, right? There's there is a boat. The kids. Boat. The- <laughs> There's like a Saturday Night Live yeah. boat song, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there is. Just like- one of, another one of those injustices of the world, Lance <laughs> being Lance. So yeah. Um, I don't think he's riding a bicycle. No. There's no way. He's riding waves, and he'll come back with some. He's. I guarantee he somehow found a way to squeeze in. <laughs> Like 10 hours somehow. I also found this awesome underwater bike thing that you can ride. It's pretty cool. I wonder if it's driving him crazy not being able to bike. It is. You know it is. He bikes so much. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Good stuff. Let's start with our backpedal. Matt, you want to backpedal for us? Yes. Um, I was talking, I I swam with Evan this morning again, which was fantastic. We we literally come straight from the pool to the podcast. Yeah. Still smelling like chlorine. Reeking of chlorine and, uh, and work. And... Yeah, so swimming's going great. I think, I'm not positive about this, but I think last week was my all-time longest swim week. Woo! So, which still isn't actually that impressive. <laughs> we, don't, um, we don't need to say the actual yardage, because yeah, then any numbers. high schooler listening to this right, will be like, yeah, exactly. I do that on that's Tuesday. On, that's, a, that's a day, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think I swam 18,000 meters or something like that, and, and that's that's someone's day Yeah. For if you're big time. I think that's more than I've swam in, I don't know, last decade or two of my life (laughs) as a if if jake's having to swim 1800 something went really really bad if you're swimming 18,000 meters yeah yeah that's i mean i wonder how much lance is going to get in swimming he's going to get some meters well if we count the boat movement he's going to be way past you crush it Yeah. yeah so yeah um and then biked a little not a lot i did the group ride which was really fun uh on tuesday super cool yeah i'd have missed that one yeah yeah, maybe this one, maybe next Tuesday. <laughs> I'll be there tomorrow. Okay, yeah. cool. And um, let's see, a uh, little bit of running. I'm still kind of just trying to, like, my long run is eight miles, which, you know, for any real runner, that's an easy distance run. But you won't believe who I saw on the trails yesterday. 
Whitney, did you see Matt? Whitney oh. Phillips. Really? It was oh. awesome. Yeah. Hey. I was so pumped. Like, Very cool. He was running the other direction, and he was like, oh, hey, how's it going? And I was like, oh, hey, I'll run with you. And he was like, no, no, no. Um, I'm going to the boat ramp. And I was like, oh, no, I'll go to the boat ramp. And he was like, oh, okay, well, um, I'll just turn around. That's cool. And so we ran together. Get away from for, me, Matt. Like, it was great. Beat it, kid. And, uh, and so, you know, it was awesome. We ran together for, I don't know, mile or mile and a half or something like that. It was, it was really nice on the trails. Good. And uh, well, real quick, how did your foot and ankle feel? Everything's feeling okay, not great. And Uh-oh. so what I'm trying to do is get the basic stuff in, like the you know long run once a week, and then I'll try to introduce some really light, easy stuff, you know, kind of throughout the week. And that's it. Just not mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, it'll probably end up being, um, you know, 15 t- miles a week, 15, 20 miles mm-hmm. a week, and that's it. That's yep. it. And then I'll do that until. Things good. come around, and <clears throat> if not, I can do an Ironman off of basically that plus building up the long run a little bit. You know, I don't have to do a ton of speed stuff if I, if it comes to that, it won't be an impressive Ironman race, but it is what it is. So yeah, um, you still have a couple months. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I have, <laughs> yeah, I have lots of time. Yeah, so back back pedal was good. Good week, week was solid. <laughs> mm-hmm. How about you, Evan? How was your week, bud? I have begun to lose my voice. As I have this smoky, like sounding voice right now, like I'm smoking, like I just smoked. Yeah, this might be over your head and through your toes, but you want to do some smelly cap for us? That's that. That's way over my head. What is? I feel like Lance over here now. Yeah, it was friends. friends. It was a Phoebe. Every time she got like sick, she'd lose her voice, and she loved her voice. So now I'm like Phoebe. And she wrote a song called Smelly Cat that she sung only when she was sick. It was pretty funny, but I should sing Smelly Cat for this podcast but yeah um outside of that you feel I, like you're getting sick though no no i just, feel fine just losing the voice i i really think it was probably from training in the wind yesterday it was uh, a lot of wind yesterday and yeah. i was swallowing all of it so yeah it's been so windy it has it's like it's been very windy i don't want to run outside because i like to run on the trails and there's yeah. just lots of trees falling and then I don't like a lot to, of branches down i don't like to go bike in do the not wind. want to get hit by a branch yeah, yeah. it's huh. yeah yep so I think my training week from I, my last two training weeks have almost been identical. Like I think I think I had a slight bump up. I can't remember how much last week was. How much are you um, talking about? It they were both right almost at twenty three hours both. Jeez. So I think I can hold that for a long time now. It did not feel that hard. I feel good today. I feel fine. So what's the breakdown of that twenty three hours? So that's uh, between fifteen and twenty k in the pool. I'm gonna build up to twenty k here. Yeah. feeling a lot better in the pool for us uh people that don't swim and don't equate things in k's yeah. how much time like hours water? yeah uh like like four or five hours it's gotta be more than that because it'll you, it'll start to be more you gotta than figure that an hour and 15 per swim about yeah and you're and you're doing five of those yeah so it'll be closer to six once i get over yeah. 20k yeah, yeah. yeah something like that it's so yeah. like six hours which to me pool time feels the longest like one hour in the pool is a like one hour on the bike is like i mean you can make it hard but one hour on the bike can feel pretty easy. Yeah. To me, one hour run, that's your base run. Yeah. One hour in the pool, to me, still doesn't feel super easy. I think it's just the part of, I think that's how the sport is. Yeah. Because like biking, yeah. biking, like you, you're outside biking and you get to one hour and you're like, I feel like I just Warmed up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're just getting going. So. Yeah. But yeah. Um, how about the running part? How much, how much time there? Over 60. So I'm going to be sitting in the 60s here from now till a long time so time for, for us people that. that don't do a lot of running yeah. how much time is that evan seven or eight hours okay. it'll it'll depend more on yeah. the pacing with the running but let's say i'm running 
overall through an entire week, like 720 pace, mm-hmm. roughly 730 pace. That puts me right at that, like seven to eight hours, maybe a little bit over eight hours at times. Gotcha. And then the biking, I only go purely on, I'm, I'm not like Lance does miles. I know he always likes to track yeah. it by miles. I go purely on time off the bike Yeah, same. and it's been 11 hours. Good so. for you, man. Not we'll bad. see. Yeah. I mean, I may need to bump that up a little bit. I need to drink a cup of coffee here just to, I, <laughs> I'm tired just listening to this. So I think I was almost exactly half of your, your workouts. See, but that's good. But, and, and the funny thing is, is that you're still beating me a little bit in the pool. Like yardage wise, well, you're, you're still beating me a little I'm bit. I'm swimming the same amount that you are. I'm that's just true. not doing running and biking. That's true. So yeah. Yeah. But, um, there's a lot of time too for bike. Yeah. If you think about it. So yeah, you can, you can add up hours quick. Definitely. Um, got to chase. I got to hand it to Matt here. We were, I thought for sure we would. So on today's swim, I was feeling really good the whole time. And Matt, what was it like our very last hard one? You're like, okay, let's do 200 hard in my head. I'm like, I think I finally got Matt here. I think I've got him. And I did not have him. He got me by three seconds on the 200. I think we were close though. I mean, we were really close. We were close, but, but that last 25, you put time into me. A lot of it's the, yeah. I mean, just like, Mm -hmm familiarity with the pool and you know like nah. my turns are good my turns are <laughs> i don't know if familiarity with the pool is a good excuse for me it's all water so. <laughs> it's all water i mean we get into open water and you'd crush me so that's, that's okay that's, well yeah we did we did some fun sets today we're doing ims now so oh. i guess we're like bad swimmers now we're, we're just we're below average swimmers officially now like real swimmers yeah but not real not real fast. And so. I got to last part of my, but I, I got to throw a big shout out to David Goodman, who I rode with yesterday. Yeah. Took a strong KOM over Dustin. Really? Yeah. Wow. Got him by like five seconds on this segment. Um, Where I'm, was it? It's the, the, the segment's called hell of the North and it's called that cause it's a, re, it's close to evergreen highway. It's the really bad part of that road where yeah. you're like dodging potholes the entire I've double time. flatted uh, like yeah. at the same yeah. time because the potholes are so they bad are, there <laughs> i was but i i i think i probably put out 50 watts for that segment because i was just bunny hopping the entire time yeah and david just sat in and just grinded away and took the kom yeah it was awesome did you him, lead man. out for him um no i mean he, he was he, just doing it well like me me and kim were talking all of a sudden we look up and David is just hammering away and I'm like, That's awesome. Oh, all right. Well, let him let go him get go. Him. <laughs> yeah. We we went out and did intervals at Vancouver Lake later and that was kind of where I put in my efforts. But um yeah. So you, t- you went out on Evergreen. Yeah. And then did and then intervals out at um Vancouver Lake. 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 Yeah. And then I <laughs> I came back on obviously I know a lot of people listening to this don't know what Mill Plane is, but imagine your most suburban stoplighted road possible with nothing but plazas on both sides. I did that for 10 miles into a block headwind it was supposed to be my recovery coming back. <laughs> and I think I was putting on my threshold waters for the entire time. Well, like seven miles an hour. Yeah. Well, there's a, well, there's a bus right behind me just getting, I'm sure I threw the bus off his schedule, but yeah. Yeah. Those winds can get you pretty good. I, I can remember sometimes riding down by the river and mm-hmm. I remember it was like on New Year's day it was three years ago. I was going into the headwind. Yeah. I was laying down 450 or 475 <laughs> Watts. Going what? Twelve miles an hour. Eleven miles an hour. Oh my! God. It was nuts. I mean, I was in full tuck position, trying to push as hard as I could. And I'm mm-hmm. like, this is ridiculous. If I had stopped, it would have blown me backward. That's how, yeah. That's how good it was going. But and this is where I so where where I used to live in Ada, Ohio. Ada was got got to be the windiest part of that region yeah. by far. Uh, the biggest elevation was a highway overpass. And I know a couple of my Ohio Northern buddies, you know, listen to this podcast, so they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. 
there were days like that exact thing you're talking about, Jake, that was no lie every single day in Ada. Once you hit the block headwind, you were going 11 or 12 miles an hour. And that was trying not to tip over. Like your only option was to put out 400 watts. Yeah, (laughs) it's nature's gem right there. Yeah. So, but yeah, definitely plan plan your KOMs accordingly. Yeah. I mean, I know in like Northern California, there's a spot that I go, you know, occasionally and it's like, you just find that windy day and you look at the segments and you're just like, this is the one, Tailwind. this is what you do. I mean, like in, in all the times are all, everyone's doing the same thing. It's not like, you're, yeah, you know, you're not a genius for figuring that one out, no. you know? So, yeah. no. Huh. All right. My back pedal. Um, you guys ever have one of those weeks where like from the time that we finished our podcast to, to right now, I don't feel like I've sat down. I feel like I've been going like a hundred miles an hour every single day. And somehow you're still barely behind. <laughs> uh, I, I, no, I'm behind. Trust me. Um, I just had one of those weeks. It was super busy with uh, like a bunch of Obra obligations. We had like board meetings and then we had our annual um, meeting for the Obra organization. It's a three hour meeting. Um not the funnest thing, but we got some business done there, which was kind of nice. nice. And it's open for all members to come in. And we talk about stuff from, you know, what's going on and, and how the health of the, the organization. We went through some rule change propositions and, and kind of hammered through all that stuff. And then we had the awards party after that, which was super cool. You guys look did up you, there. I was going to say, did you, bring you look home up an there? Award? This is what I wanted to mention. Perhaps. Yeah. I want to 2018 team, team champions of the year. Of the year. Yep. So we got That's our, a big award, Jake. That is a big, important it's award. It's crazy. That's it not is. Realize. Not too shabby for I, you, too. I, can't I feel re- like we need to be playing some congratulations music right now. Because this is, I mean, <laughs> yeah. think about where, how how long ago did the team first start? I've we got just, to think about it. it we was just finished our second, second year. That's what I thought. It, just, it was like, So yeah. we're barely over two years now. Yeah, we formulated about two years ago this month. Almost on yeah. the I mean, I've been working on it, like some of the, the foundational ideas. stuff in the background and the ideas and, and kind of getting it set up. Mm-hmm. But we formally started in January of 2017. Jeez. And, and this was like you and Michael and you were like, hey, what do you think about this idea? Yeah. And he's <laughs> we're like, just on a ride. And, 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 I, I, and he's like, I knew I wanted idea. to do it. And I'm like, we should hey, make a club. <laughs> I'm going to start a team. You want to, you want to help me? He looked at me and said, well, I can't use that language right now, but bleep. Yeah. So yeah. it was, uh, it was from that moment on that we've just been hammering this thing out. And, um, it's been a real fun ride, a real fun ride. It's crazy. So that was a great time. We had a bunch of people on our team win bar championships, which is best all around rider. Um, wow. we took home a lot of hardware. It was awesome. It was a great night and it was fun hearing, um, so-and-so dialed cycling team, so-and-so dialed cycling team, always getting these awards. And, uh, we just had a great night. So, and that's big because I mean, you, you think about it from, from statewide organization and size of competition, Obra, what number one or two, maybe three at the furthest down in the nation, maybe California, Colorado would be the only two maybe ahead. Yeah. There are over a hundred teams in the organization. And then that's gotta be, is that, is that more than Colorado? It's, it's up there. It's, I'm that'd be an interesting stat to look at. It'd be close. Yeah. Yeah. To bring that around for another conversation. But, um, you've got that and you've got, you know, 35 or 3,600 total people in the organization, which is Mm -hmm. pretty stinking good considering it only encompasses, um, Oregon, Southern Washington and parts of Idaho. There's some people that that come over from Idaho for some of our racing. Yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, it was like not terribly populated. I mean, you know, like. I mean, outside of Portland, yeah, you're not talking about a whole lot of dense population yeah. areas like well, Southern California. Yeah, so. well, we had uh, Chuck Keenland in here. We're talking about um, Bend was like a hundred and something thousand people there. Like right on a hundred thousand. And I that's got to be right, what yeah. maybe like the third biggest city 
you know, outside for cycling. Of, yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, that was a great night. And then I just was super busy with work and riding that stinking trainer a lot. So I put in I was I gonna say, 10 hours and 15 minutes. So oh, okay. you're, you're over 10. That's yeah. I, I, so I thought you were I was close. stalking you a little bit and <laughs> you put in some good work. You, I think you put in 110 miles this weekend. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday on, just on the trainer. Was, solid, dude. Um, yeah, it was about five hours and on the, the, the trainer on That's Saturday awesome. and Sunday. Did so. you watch a movie or something? No, I am really enjoying <laughs> you watching wall. YouTube cha- uh, videos. Yeah, uh, and nice. it, it's just it gives me a chance to plug into stuff that I've always wanted to learn. That's what I've been doing ever since mm-hmm. I got back on the trainer. I, I I dabbled a little bit with the movies, but like we talked about, if you're yeah. trying to follow a program, if you yeah. get into a long involved movie and you're you're focused on that, you're not paying attention to your watch. You're like ah, you know. Or yep. if you're doing an erg mode program and you're watching a movie and all of a sudden you go from being at like 200 watts to it's like all right, we're gonna do this 450 watt interval set for you know a minute and like you just get bombed on you know i did the same thing yesterday i was like okay i you know did my long run and i just want to do an easy hour on the bike just spin it out you know yeah and i turned on some like mountain biking stuff like youtube yeah and i was like oh my gosh the the watts were like spiking up you know and i was like too hard too hard yeah easy go easy that's a movie ride you see, you, you do, if you're just spinning, you can watch the movie. Yeah, that's If you true. need the intervals, you got to throw on cyclocross races or yeah. something. Oh, yeah, and triathlon. I did triathlon races the day before. That was pretty good, too. Yeah. yeah. I'm you big on, have you have you watched the Super League stuff? Yes. Best stuff to sit there and It's really race. good. Oh, it's it entertaining. It's really good, yeah. That I mean, and, like, Criterium Pro Racing. Yeah. Love it. That stuff makes me, like, my, I can feel the blood pressure going up. I'm yep. like, oh, 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 don't crash, don't crash, yep. you know? <laughs> Super intense. I don't feel like the ITU guys are going to crash, or at least the stuff I was watching didn't seem like they were that on the edge, no. but like all the mountain biking stuff. Yeah. You're, it's very, it's yeah. very intense. And that's what I love about YouTube. You can kind of hone it in on, you know, whatever exactly it is what you want. want. And yeah. it's not like one long drawn out thing. It's usually like 10, five, 15, 20 minute chunks. And thank, th- thank goodness for Red Bull TV. Like yeah. Red Bull TV, you can just go to their YouTube channel and just endless awesome videos. Yeah. yeah this is way off topic. You guys ever watch <laughs> the Cliff Diving World Championships? No. No. Oh, it's inc- Just do okay. yourself a favor next time you're on the trainer. Watch the Cliff Diving World Could Championships. Okay. Is that, is that, oh, see, I need an easy ride today. So is that mm-hmm. like cliff diving? Oh, easy? it's awesome. Yeah. Is that going to make an easy ride? It's like the most peaceful like... thing you'll ever okay, see. Cool. It's Good. like a guy falling from a hundred feet and he just lands gracefully in the water. Right. Wow. And I think of what I would look like doing that. It'd be tragic. That would be <laughs> terrible. Be floating on the water <laughs> when it was all said <laughs> <Yeah>. and done. <laughs> okay. Hey, real quick before we get into, um, all things, rest of the podcast, <laughs> weight challenge update. Evan, how are oh. you doing, bud? Okay. So, so I have a confession here. To make. I don't think there's any way I'm going to win this thing. I'm back. No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm no. back to 155. Okay. I was at 154 last week. I thought One, you were going to channel your inner Skeletor. I, the inner Skeletor is not able to come out. It's, it's not. And, and I can't bump my training up much anymore. Yeah. You're like, good on training. So I don't think there's any way unless maybe, Oh, I don't know. Cause I've even been doing a lot of my training fasted. Like I did six hours of training almost on what day was it? Sunday. And I think, I think I only had like a banana and a cliff bar during the training day. Yeah. And then, you know, I ate a big dinner afterwards, but even then it's like my, my body's just at its stasis right now. It's not wanting to drop below that 154. Yes. Uh, I have more good news for you, Jake. Oh no. Come Did on. You gain more weight. No, I, I'm, I, I'm not losing. Well, I mean, okay. So I did not do a proper weigh in this morning. Uh, I had like a bagel and some coffee and stuff like that. So it might be a little bit off, but I think I'm only like one pound down. 
That's excellent. That's excellent news for you. And that's why you're yeah. over here bringing me coffee. I'm like, hey, Matt, can you grab me some black coffee? And comes back with like all this rich creamer. Yeah, I thought. I'm like, let me. I thought. I thought you were serious with your text, Jake. What are What are you actually? Jake Jake had texted us that he was what, <laughs> what starved what? himself for four days and was at 165. Okay. And I was like, oh, it's over. Yeah. It's over by a lot. No, I am down a few pounds. Much. Oh no. I because when you get to like six or seven pounds, we're in trouble. It, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm really, about four down. So, okay, only four yeah. down. We're gonna be in trouble. I, no, I saw Monday. more because I did a fasted ride. I okay. uh-huh. I had, gosh, it'd been we'll call it about twelve hours. Jumped on, did my ride, and I still stayed faster for the rest of the day. But after that ride, I think it was down like seven. But oh, obviously geez. water weight, but. Uh, and it obviously came back really quickly as soon as I started eating, but, um, it's starting to, to kind of come in. I'm, I'm really trying to pay close attention to my diet and, and really starting to tweak with it and yep. making sure that I'm making all the little right steps. So I had, right. a, I had a brownie last night. Yeah. That's how focused I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, I had, I had a beer this weekend. I mean, I didn't drink a lot. I think yeah. I just had one, but it's like. I'm not, I'm not doing like I, when I have done these competitions with Jake in the past, I'll, you know, I've, I focus pretty hard and I'm not doing what I should. Once, so. once Lance come back, you, you need to focus. Cause if Lance blows past everybody and wins this, I'm going to be mad. Well, Lance <laughs> is eating. What, he, yeah. Yeah. He's well, eating cinnamon rolls. And, he, and he's going to have to lose like 20 pounds when he comes but, back. But do you guys feel like we should give Lance an out and be like, Hey, no. you should reweigh yourself and then try to lose 10 no. pounds. I no. think we should. Do he's going to lose 20 from where he comes back. I still, I feel like we should give him this. Line. Well, let's, let's cross that let's bridge see, when we get there. Yeah. If, okay. if let's it's see comical and he did gain a lot of weight, then we'll let him like kind of start over. So. We'll, we'll let him go off like a ratio factor then or something. Yeah, I feel like that would be fun to be like, all right, he's giving us two weeks yeah. and he's, you know, starting. Well, we're, we're, we don't have to weigh back in because then that means that I'm dropping down to weight. That's not possible for yeah. me. All right. Before we uh, move on again, there's one more little thing that just popped up here. We have a question oh, on boy. our uh, chat from the live YouTube stream because we do YouTube uh, stream this oh, thing we now. We do the YouTube Jesse Tonkinson has a question hey, on Heck of the North. He said that David put out 281 watts for five minutes and 15 seconds, and Dustin put out 362 watts for right. 519. Was there some wind assistance yesterday? I, oh, I do not believe wind. on that segment there was... Okay, so here, Je, uh, Jesse, I'll, and this is something that me and David make fun of Dustin a lot for. Dustin is a tank and puts out a ton of wattage, yeah. Yeah. but he's dense. So Dustin weighs more than you would think yeah david i think does he weighs not about weigh 190 pounds if i'm not mistaken but he maybe is, even maybe even north of that but he's yeah. lean he is yeah. super lean. oh he's it's, it's he is nothing but muscle right. like yeah. literally he is a brick wall yeah he's that guy that yeah those pictures you see of the guy walking off the track like the sprinters that have like he, their massive track tree trunk. Yeah. yeah he's he is with uh, like and he's he's chiseled mm-hmm. up top yeah he, but. And and also the thing about that, because Tonk, I'm sure I'm sure you've ridden that that segment before. The the line you pick, I think, means a yeah. massive difference there. That's true. So Strava's guesstimating that wattage, depending on the it's line not you pick. Guesstimating if it's being derived from a power meter. Oh, is his is his being directly direct? Well, yeah, Strava Strava will always guesstimate mine, and I have no it's power because meter hooked up. Yeah, to if it. you don't have a power meter, it will guesstimate. Mm-hmm. But it is. I wonder if, if you have if you have a power meter. 
That's it where takes directly information up from. to it. Oh, and okay. you can tell when you look on there, if there's a little lightning bolt next to the, the information of the power number, yeah. that means that it was derived from a power meter. And if there is none, then they're just estimating yeah. what you put down. And how, David, I'd have to, David I'd have to is, think about watts per kilo here to see yeah. to see how close they were then yeah, on that I don't segment. want to take anything away from David because that's still a monster. No, because because yeah. I, I would remember if there was a big wind aid. There wasn't a big wind aid, but there may have Probably been enough some, to make up a 10-second yeah. Yeah, because it has been windy there. for the last three days. It has. So yeah. But that, that segment's decently protected from the right. wind, kind of on, on, on both sides there. I And I'm guessing David is the... He's lighter than any of us, I would expect. Me and me and David are very close to the same weight, but I think he's probably about 152, 153, 154. Pretty, he sits he sits right in that range, yeah. Oh, I smell a showdown coming up. Dustin, David. Oh, those <laughs> trust me. So so Dustin's training in Hawaii right now. Yeah. So me me, Dustin and David do a lot of riding together. Yeah. And there will definitely be a showdown. <laughs> and I love you, David, but Dustin's going to lay down the hammer and it's going to be over because well, D- I mean, Dustin does not lose one-on-one matchups. No. Yeah. <laughs> He's a beast. Yep. A the, the only thing I can get Dustin on is when we do Sky. When yeah. we do Sky Road, because it's a long enough, steep enough, steep enough climb, <laughs> yeah. I can get away from <laughs> him. Ah, sucker. That Gibson's not long enough. He's yeah, going to get me on Gibson every yeah. time. Yeah. That's cool. impressive. All right. Let's move this show right along. Yep. We have kind of a new segment. We just made it up not too long ago. The segment is called Evan Wants to Know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we started talking about like some potential uh, segments, and Evan started talking about this uh, this question. We're like, oh, no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. So I don't know Save what this it is. for the podcast. I was I was getting coffee, so I don't even yeah. know. <laughs> I'm going in blind. This I was busy. Well, Evan started talking about rider types. Oh, so yeah. gotcha, rider types. That's 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 the topic, and I'm going to mm-hmm. let Evan take it from here. So what 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 we're going to talk about is we're going to go through. Different, you know, writer types, but also kind of trying to explain that to everybody. Because I think especially, I think on my last, the, our last segment, I had mentioned like, hey, everybody should start watching professional cycling. But when you watch professional cycling, they're going to throw around a lot of like terms, descriptions yeah. and terms and adjectives that if you don't watch professional cycling, right. you may have no idea what they're talking about. And there are a lot of different types of writers out there. So... This is like when, especially if you're somebody who watches professional cycling, imagine the frustration trying to explain, profe- like, it's like trying to explain American football to somebody who has never watched American football. Yeah. Like, what do you say? Uh, why are they lining up that way? Yeah. Like, why, why does the quarterback hand it off to the guy behind him? Right. You know, it's, so what we're going to talk through is just, we're, we're going to kind of spit out a bunch of different types of riders and talk about what that means to us and a couple people that we know that are like that. So... We'll go through kind of like the the obvious ones at first. So your your obvious ones are like who are like your time trialist specialist. Now, this is less common in the amateur world, more common in the professional world because obviously they race more time trials yeah. in the professional segment. But I mean the the you know the the one that comes to mind obviously for all of us is Mike Mike Myers oh, was yeah. a time trialist specialist, also a really good cyclist, but. Yeah he was on another level as a time trialist. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you could take cyclists. I can maybe hang with him on a road course, put them all on aero bikes in a yeah. time trial and he's going to blow them away. Yeah. 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 So, you know, that's, that's kind of an easier one right there. Another one. I know, I know Jake, Jake's got the list up here, but you know, sprinter climber are like the two most commonly used and sprinter. We were just talking about Dustin. I yeah. mean, I, I consider him potentially a sprinter type. I mean, mm-hmm. He's a, he's Maybe a sprinter with, with some, yeah, 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 yeah. Pursuit would be, and any track cyclist I think coming over is going to be a sprinter once they hit the road. 
Now, this is the interesting thing, though, is in the track world, there are even people that they would consider pure sprinter track guys. So not guys who are going to be hanging on on the front for very long. Mm -hmm. But that last 50-meter, 100-meter sprint, they're guys that just have a five-second power that's untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. That fills the gap for nobody at this table. But Jake would be the closest thing I think that we have to somebody with solid five-second power. You know what? Lance actually, um, he's not at the table, but uh, he, you know, like he'll, I I don't think it's a secret, like he'll openly talk about like looking at some of the data from a cyclocross ride where he'll hit 2,000 watts, you know, for Mm -hmm. a very short amount of time, right? That's peak power, but. Do you think he's really hitting 2,000 watts though? It could be, who knows? I don't. That's a. Mountain rare, of watts. It is rarefied air. But right but also yeah. his, I mean, think about the his athletic background was a yeah, I, was I an elite yeah. D one decathlete. But still, I mean, if you look at the pro peloton, that how many guys are putting out two thousand watts? Well, the, the the true sprinters, but yeah, that's really they're still rare. not even putting out that many watts though. They're they're probably seventeen eighteen hundred watts. So I don't like like Cav and and. Uh, uh, we I need mean, who else? Like yeah, Gaviria. Ripple, Gaviria. Gaviria, yeah. yeah. That's but even those smaller guys. An issue. I mean, it, it could be. Been, could be. Yeah. But or it could be his left right doubling right because if well yeah. I don't know if you had he has dual sided power meter doesn't mm-hmm. he anyway he does now but yeah but I mean it could be something like that where it's doubling but, something that is yeah. off because I mean I've done a lot of sprints in my day yeah I have never what's come the biggest number you've ever seen to that 2000 is I mean like but if you talk to the like pro sprinters like yeah that's, I think my that's pretty rare the biggest number I've ever seen is just shy of 1700 watts and that's and to put out another 300 on top of that I crazy. just I don't I, there's just there's and it was, very few it was humans over on the face 2000 of the yeah I mean it was it was crazy so maybe it was just a fluke and I yeah. think maybe that's the way Lance would probably describe it too was like hey I saw this number yeah mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's like real like it's not reproduce who knows if it's reproducible yeah. or not but that'd yeah. be a great question for Lance, but he yeah. is on a boat. <laughs> on I don't know. <laughs> I would have to. S- I mean, I've seen some of his sprints when he really gets going, and I'll tell you, I would not be surprised if it's right at Jake's number that he was just talking 17. about. Yeah, yeah. But two, yeah, two seems like a lot. And this is where, so even in the pro peloton, when you're looking at a lot of these sprinters, uh, you look at. I think the best example is a guy like Caleb Ewan, very very aero mm-hmm. sprinter. Yeah, stays very low profile, right. little guy too for a sprinter. Compare his top wattage to somebody like Greipel, yeah. who literally is like a wind sail and a just a monster on the bicycle. I'm sh- I'm sure Greipel's putting over 2,000 yeah. watts. He has to be. And, and the, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if you and and you know Caleb and you are putting out similar watts because you know you I mean he's got what is he like 100 probably 50 160 pounds. Yeah, he can't not, be that much. I, I he, don't think he's a tall person. No, no, he's not. And he gets so low on he the gets bike. He gets very. Like, he's like licking. He's his like front, calf front too. Wheel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that's part of my problem too. Is I need to get more arrow in my sprints. Mm-hmm. So that's something I'm gonna work on when I get back into that mode. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what else? What else you got, man? So, so we we go from sprinter talking about you know, everybody always tries to talk about these these classifications as like what type of wattage numbers you have, but it does also have a lot to do with form. So like the sprint form, climbing though is. This is the thing. It's always funny to me because like GCN, so anybody who is a YouTuber person has probably seen GCN out there. They they always talk about like best technique to climb. I always find that really funny to look at because you're going to get a bunch of different answers. The greatest climber maybe of all time, and this can be debate. I'm sure somebody will comment and say, no, you're wrong. I think Alberto Contador was the greatest climber of all time at, at his best. Also, some of his like watts per kilo numbers were absolutely crazy. 
but with with climbing i want to talk about what what actually watts per kilo means because i'm sure you know some people listen to this know what that means and yeah. some don't yeah watts per kilo is the single most important number with climbing it is the one number you can't lie to and this is why i really think you know, climbing has become probably the most romanticized and important mm-hmm. part of cycling. I would say like your best uh, cyclists historically that people will talk about are your best climbers. So the guys winning the Tour de France, the guys winning the Giro, yeah. uh, the guys winning the Tour of Spain, they're all good climbers. And what that means is the exact watts that you put out, you know, per kilogram of your own weight. So it's literally the number that you can directly compare to somebody and say, I'm a better climber than you, or I'm not a better climber than you. But that really only comes into play once you get over a certain percent yes. grade. And Pre- that's where yeah. gravity has to have a certain impact, and, and that's where yeah. that never really starts to pay dividends. Do you happen to know off the top of your head what that grade percentage is? I think it was 8 to 10%, isn't I think it? that you're right. I think, yeah, I think that's nine. the number I've usually seen is 8 to 10%. Yeah. yeah. That, that's also where bike weight starts to matter, so I would imagine that's where, yeah. obviously, body weight and starts off, to matter. And it obviously has to be a sustained climb, too. Yes. Right. if you're going to do that 8 to 10% for, I don't know, a quarter mile or something like that, the big guy's probably still going to win because he's going to muscle through. Exactly. But... And, yeah. And stretch this, that out and you're, it's a different story. And yeah. this is where I would say a good climber is somebody that you're talking about that stretched out effort yep. as opposed to a punchy climber. Yeah. And this is a term that you'll you'll hear the the announcers in the races use a lot is punchy. That's the guy who, let's say you hit a bunch of like one or two minute 6% segments. The guy who's punchy is going to be great at coming up and down those. And that yeah. could be a heavier guy. Yeah. You know, so somebody with a, a little bit higher watt ceiling. Yeah. Even like Peter Sagan, who, I mean, perfect example. A, yeah. He, he is a sprinter by some sort of classification. Mm-hmm. He can do really well in those short, punchy climbs to the finish because yep. Yep. he's got that power that he can push through. And yeah. Yeah. And, and this is what makes somebody, uh, to, to me, somebody like uh, Valverde very, very special. Yeah, is uh, so so he's a Spanish client uh, guy who is really rare in today's professional game because he has he's very competitive at the one day races, but he also can be competitive over a tour of Spain or even I think he's had a couple good performances at the Tour de France in his career, too. Absolutely. So he has that ability to be punchy over those two, three minute segments but also can hang on to, you know, the team sky train for 20, 30 minutes going up. He's arguably you know. one of the few riders that you could say is like, you know, maybe one of the top all arounders mm-hmm. just because he can kind of do a he lot can of sprint too. He's, he's, yeah. he's shown the ability to, he's I mean, definitely won a he's lot not going to line out and sprint against Greipel, but, I mean, but in a, in when a broken you, sprint, yeah, when yeah. you see, when you see a couple people, you know, coming in, like mm-hmm. you can bet on him. Yes, exactly. When, you know, something like that. Yeah. He's cagey, right? Like cagey is a good word for that. He yeah. can, well, I mean, he can, he finds himself in the right spot a lot of times from what, yeah. I've, what I've seen. You, you read, know? you read it's, my mind, Matt. The, the, the next word is a cagey rider, which is, this is weird because I've heard cagey used for a ton of different types of riders. Yeah. So I think cagey is almost a word that like, how would I'll leave that one over for the table. How, how would you guys describe a cagey rider? It's that person that for the way I was using it was like mm-hmm. that person that always seems to find themselves in the right spot at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you're just like, wait a minute, like he might not be the best absolute climber, but here he is. Yeah. Like yep. he's how, you know, how cool is that? Like, here's this cagey guy that probably shouldn't be here, but he's here, mm-hmm. you know? And so that to me is like, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm not the biggest fan of Valverde. Like I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll lay that out here right now, but I guess he res- tested positive and yeah, has some, I've always, yeah. I've always got a bad mm-hmm. vibe from him, but at the same time, and I don't know. I mean, movie star, you know, I think people have, they may be the best team in the very near future, 
Um, I'm just not the hugest fan of that team. Uh, but he is, he is, you know, to be respected for yeah. what he's done in cycling over. I mean, he's old too. I mean, I don't know how old yeah, he is. Yeah, he's 30, like late 30s or something. I'm going to look know. this up, but I we think he's like 38. I'm yeah. going to guess 38. So we should try to ask for help from commentary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's older for sure. Yeah. Jake, what's your what's your definition of a KG rider? Matt hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is a question that because I've heard Peter Sagan get described as KG, but also I've heard Tom DeMilon be described yeah. as KG. Okay. Which are two completely different types of actually you really couldn't think there may be no two different riders. But they, those two. But both of those people can end up in the right position yes, at the right exactly. time. For different like, reasons. For different yeah. reasons. Yeah. And Peter, Peter Sagan's a great example, right? Where he's like, he always, like his team isn't like, he's not on a studly team, but yeah, he ends up in the right position for the sprint all he the does. time. Yeah, and he doesn't need his team to do that. It's, it's funny yeah. because it's like, it's not getting a lot of help here, but he still is there always is. in the mix. Yep. And then... Um, Tom DeMoulin, right? Where it's kind of the same thing. Like his team's not helping him as much as like Team Sky, right? Yeah. But like there he is, you know, like mm-hmm. in the mix to win the whole tour. Like hanging on. Just, yeah. That's, yes, they're different. You know, yes, one is like vying for a sprint and the other one's maybe like an overall like potential, you know, points winner. But they're still kind of that kind of cagey athletes that finding themselves mm-hmm. in the right spot at the right time or, potentially finding themselves in a spot that they shouldn't necessarily be. If you just kind of look at the numbers or the, or the team positions or the team standings or whatever it is, it's pretty cool to watch. I mean, those, those people kind of tug at our heartstrings, right? Where it's just like, yes, you got to pull for them a little bit, right? Because they, they shouldn't be there. They don't have the help that everyone else has. And Mm -hmm. here they are. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that for me was always growing up. I always loved watching uh, Nibbly race that way Mm -hmm. because he's a great descender. So like KG, I always think like good descender. Yeah. Because it's like you may get dropped on those pure climbs, but the guy like somehow finds a way to like put 45 seconds into people on a descent yeah, or some like weird segment of the race where he can just somehow get himself back in, which is always fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, and a lot of times too, when you're watching descents, like I feel like the cameras, um, the videography of those descents, they get lost. Yeah. Like everyone gets lost on these descents. That's because the motorbikes will lose the cyclists yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. That's how fast those guys are descending. And and when you're watching like the climbs, you can kind of see where everyone is and it's, it's slow. And I mean, it's not, it's not slow, but like it's action packed, but at the same time, it's slow enough that you know where everyone is and this is there and this person's here. And all of a sudden it's like they're descending and they're like, wait a minute, you know, Vincenzo Nibali, he was gone, but now he's back. Like, yeah. How did that happen? Like, you don't know because the camera's yeah. never going to catch it. Yeah. So it seems like a surprise, like a KG, like how did that person do that? Where, mm-hmm. you know, he really just descended really well and it's not on camera. Right. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So now another type of rider going away from up or down grades. We're going to talk about when the road surface changes. So these are your cobble riders, not something in America that you see too yeah. terribly often you know we don't we don't i mean we get can anybody think of like is there any cobbled areas in this in this area nope pretty pretty new roads <laughs> yeah. like pretty 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 21st century yeah, roads we're all asphalted yeah <laughs> evergreen evergreen highway that's there you go that's like the closest thing that we have yesterday and, and i'm pretty sure belgians would look at that and be like this is the smoothest road that we have yeah. in our in our entire country but there's so anybody who has watched before the spring classics um a lot of them are based around belgium and they are these set of races that large portions of them are done on cobbled roads. Now, I am not speaking from experience here. I have friends of mine who have ridden on those cobbles before. 
and whatever you're picturing, it's 20 times harder. It is, he literally said, you, it, it is staying on the bicycle is difficult. Yeah. And I mean, th- when you watch those races, those riders make it look easy. Yeah. Well, smooth and just they almost as easy. On, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible to yeah. watch those races. Yeah. There was some competition and I think it was like GCN or something like that. I don't remember who had the competition and it was like, you win the chance to go ride like the hell of the North or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, do you win or do you lose <laughs> if, you, if you get to do this? Like you get, you get to go ride the course and you get to, I think it was like you ride the course before the race or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. Except for you have to be able to ride like this yeah. course and it's not easy. The closest thing that I can think of is doing a gravel ride mm-hmm. on some not overly sized tires and on yeah. a road that is like you get those little like washboard like little ripples in yeah. it and mm-hmm. you get the gravel on it as well and you just get that constant vibration and that rattle that's the closest mm-hmm. thing that i and i've done that before it's not easy no it's not easy at all and to do it for the volume of miles that they're doing oh, wow that's crazy yeah it's I, crazy i think that those riders even the good ones you know fear those cobbled sections and they oh yeah you know they'll they'll write them down and they'll have them on their stem like mm-hmm. you're kind of about to hit this section and then you know they know that they are going to go through nine different cobbled sections and they can tell like this is going to be the hard ones and they're looking out for those those particular yeah. sections because they're yeah. worried about them i mean and obviously. they'll and they'll pretty strategically you know approach them yep. so so they'll hit them on the side of the road as much as they can yeah yeah. which is kind of this dirt segment where it's semi more smooth. Mm-hmm. But when you watch the races, the, the the part that gets lost in that is as these guys are riding down the sides, they're kicking up a ton of dirt. Yeah. yeah. So it the does. guys riding behind them, yep. you're riding blind basically through some of the toughest stuff you can. I mean, it's incredible thing that they're racing on these in just, these, in these sort of conditions. It, just, it seems to me like front shocks would be like, oh my looking God, at that yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh, how, how do you do that? Yeah. Now? There's yeah. a lot of bikes that were born out of that racing yep. for compliancy, mm-hmm. just for softening yeah, the Roubaix. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. literally the Roubaix, Roubaix bike. Yeah. <laughs> so you get a lot of these endurance compliant bikes that, that were kind of born out of that. And it, it has changed the, the way that we look at bikes and build bikes and whatnot. And it's yeah. created a whole genre of bikes. So mm-hmm. this yeah. is a little off subject. Jake, how do you think your shoulder would hold up with vibrations and things right now? Well, I mean, yeah, in the near in the near future, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> not well. I wouldn't go out there and do it. You know, something. Yeah. He, he would probably have to sit out the slow. spring classics. I yeah, think he'd well. have to sit out the spring classic. Yeah, sit out the spring classic. It's just yeah. maybe for short periods of time. I just don't think it's stable enough to a take that constant beating, but. There are little things that come up all the time. You're going to yeah. hit inconsistencies in the road. You're going to hit something that might be slick or smooth, and you've got to be able to adjust that. And I just don't have that that strength right now. To, to so for really, the near future, mm-hmm. you're going to probably avoid rough roads. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay, so good to know. Yeah. yeah. So another m- movie you guys should, or not, not, not movie, but definitely videos you should look up on YouTube if you want to see these guys in action is. Obviously, Perry Roubaix is the, the the most famous, but my personal favorite race from the Spring Classics is the Tour of Flanders, and the reason is because they they have climbs on the yeah. cobble. So Perry Roubaix is dead pan flat, right. basically the entire race and ends on the velodrome, which is kind of interesting. You yeah, know, just cool. The, Perry Roubaix is an interesting race. You're doing cobbles and then you end. What is it? A it's a two lap sprint on on the velodrome. I think is how they end. Is it only two? I thought it was a couple more than that. But it's not uh, very I mean, many. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's only a couple. And when they get in the velodrome, it's always crazy to see those end sprints. Yeah, because they've been racing for like 120 or 30 miles by that I point. Feel like last year was one of the years where it came down to two people. That yeah, was Sagan, and who was the guy that was? Oh with God, him. who was there? And that was just an, an epic was it finish. Terpsha? 
Was Terpstra with him? Maybe. No, I don't know. That was the year before. I that, thought it was I a think. quick step guy, but I'm anyway. not sure. Yeah. yeah. There was should, Sagan who won it. in 2018, though, correct? Somebody correct us on that. It, we should yeah. look it up, but I just remember I remember watching any, I mean, I feel like any of the years where you come down to two riders on the velodrome are like mm-hmm. the classic story, right? Like it yeah. only happens occasionally, and it's super interesting to watch them slow down. Oh, yeah. And wait for the sprint. Track. And it's just yeah. like track so tactics. Major chess first. match right there. Yeah, it's fun. It is. It's pretty yeah. cool to watch. Yeah. So, but the, the, the thing I love about the Tour of Flanders is um, I have a good buddy of mine named Kid who I've brought up on this before who, uh, has taken trips to Europe and he takes uh, cycling photos very, very well. He does professional bike race photos too and a lot of the Colorado circuit. But when he went to Europe, uh, he did a lot of the Tour of Flanders course and he has this awesome picture of the Kopenberg, um, which anybody wondering what the Kopenberg is, it is v- maybe the most important climb in the Tour of Flanders. Right. There, there's a couple that come later on in the race, but the Kopenberg is like the one that really famously Fabian Cancellara right. like destroyed the field on. Yep. I think I'm, I'm going to mess the up the year. That's the one where they were like, Fabian Cancellara's got a mechanical, yes. or I'm sorry. He was that motor. good. Yeah. Yeah. He was that good up that climb that people are like, yeah. that wasn't possible right. what he did. Yeah. I still like in my head to believe that it was like non-motor assisted, but, sure. but yeah. let me, let me and break down the numbers. After that, I think he gets flat or I feel like he time trials away from people. He does. At the top yeah. Or whatever. I mean, Stayed up. Stayed away from everybody. Yeah. So I will give the numbers on the Kopenberg here for anybody who has ever gone up a climb. This would be hard on the smoothest of pavement. The Kopenberg is cobbled, which means you're, I mean, the fact that like keeping your wheels on the ground would be difficult. It's 22% gradient for 620 meters and 64 meters of elevation gain in those 620 meters. On cobbles with a hard left turn at one point, a very hard left turn, yeah. and apparent it it goes straight up to twenty percent the second it starts. So you hit cobbles and you're at twenty percent. Yeah. So there's you 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 can look up pictures of it all day, but there's professional cyclists falling over on this climb. That ride has been known to get wet. Yes. What's it like riding cobbles when it's wet? Oh, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> anybody want to comment on our video saying if you have ridden cobbles wet i would love to hear that experience oh yeah it could be nuts yeah i like that, that almost to like here in the pacific northwest you get some of these little paths that will be off to the side and they'll have some tree cover and when it gets wet here you'll get a little bit of like a green mossy slicky Ugh. thing on there mm-hmm. there's times where you'll try and come up some of these little grades or these little bike paths you you just can't you're you, slipping yeah, out yeah there's a yeah. it's a steep grade coming up prune hill and they're just they're they're covered in that that green mossy stuff, and you can't you they just can't get any bite on there. So, I, I gotta oh, imagine cobbles, that I the couldn't. cobbles are something somewhat similar to that. It's yeah. just gotta be nuts trying to get up some of that. And and the the Kopenberg too, I don't think has any, um, like dirt side to yeah. it. Yeah. So so you can't do what they do in Roubaix where they try to get onto the side. You're basically you have to ride on the cobbles. Yeah. Yeah. So I cool. rode on the cobbles on Zwift the other day. It wasn't too bad. Really? There you go. Did the did, did your like a little climber thing like bounce up and down for well, you? Well, the Tax Neo actually has that built yeah. into Does it. Does so, it? Yeah, when oh, you ride over the cobblestone Swift, it, it vibrates on you. So. Or bridges. Or bridges. Are, there's a couple of little places where it vibrates. Yeah. I don't think it's a lot. Yeah. I don't know. But you're, you're supposed to get some of that, that taptic feedback. So. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda I saw um, Peter Sagan did win Perry Roubaix last year. So yeah. you yep. were correct on yep. your yeah. memory. Who was up. the gentleman? And people shared the story with me after I had my accident. My shoulder got destroyed. Um, that crashed six weeks out from the Perry Roubaix. He was he on the Attics team, the Quick Step team, and he broke his arm, 
and it was six mm-hmm. weeks out from oh, Perry Roubaix, and he spent this. those yeah. six um, weeks riding on Zwift, riding yeah. his butt off, came back and actually won Perry Roubaix. And this was probably 2012, 13, 14, somewhere yeah. in there. Let me look it up. Was it Greg Van Avermaat? Was it Bona? It wasn't. No, it wasn't no. Van Avermaat. But Gilbert? Was it was it Gilbert no, at that time period? No. Um, gosh, mm, I don't know. John Dagenkolb. Nope. Was it? No. Okay. Nope. <laughs> um, We're all uh, just naming guys who are usually good at Perry Roubaix. That's exactly. <laughs> so. Matthew Heyman. Yes, that's who it was. Oh, I remember that story. That was pretty interesting. And it was just a champ. Yeah, it was an epic finish for him too. It's just such an that's amazing. And he posted all of his data from that ride online, and you can go like check it out. I think it's on Strava or something like that. You can watch, like, you look at his power data. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right, move on to the next one. All right, so. Here's here's the, the the last little segment we'll we'll talk about here because if you're watching so we just talked about the one day races which are awesome but I also love your Grand Tours so with the Grand Tours this is a, a funny story that my dad told me once um, this is whenever you're trying to explain professional bike racing to somebody who has never seen it before my dad had a friend at work who I forget what year this was this was 2001 or two um, when Lance was probably like quite a bit of time away from the leader who was whoever who had won the early sprints so some sprinter was wearing the yellow jersey as they almost always do if it starts on a sprint stage and you would you know somebody watching that race would be like well like is that guy going to win the race you know like (laughs) like let's say let's say like Cipollini from back in the when he was the Italian sprinter let's say he was holding the yellow jersey for a day yeah be reasonable to ask like well can this guy hold on no, absolutely not. No. And my dad was on a bet with a friend at work. I think Lance was losing by like, quote unquote, losing by five minutes. And my dad told me, he's like, I guarantee Lance wins the tour this year. And he was like, no, no, there, there's no way he's five minutes behind. That's a lot of time, right? And of course, Lance comes back and win the tour. And whoever was holding the yellow jersey probably didn't even finish the tour that year. Yeah. But th- this is where you talk about in the grand tour, each team and this is kind of changing as as we get in. Each team now seems to bring like almost two contenders sometimes. Yeah, like Movistar and Sky. Sky and, and I mean, there there's a BMC usually yeah, brings they, a couple. They had a couple too. guys that, that yeah. could have done it too. But usually historically, when you see the numbers on the back of their jersey, anybody who's wearing a one in the in as as their last right. number is is the team leader. Yeah. So that's so that's your your guy who you were getting behind for the GC or. If you're a team that's coming for stage hunting, which is you're just trying to win stages, yeah, your one can be the guy who's like got the best chance at that. Yeah, um, a lot of the continent, so the French continental teams um, <clears throat> that that that'll bring you know their their team in will usually have uh, some guy who they're just trying to get in, into the breakaway. Yeah. yeah, but this is where you you talk about you have your domestique, which is a term you've probably heard. And your GC contender, your GC contender being the guy wearing the one on their jersey, everybody else being a domestique. And classically, there are like, I love the the legendary domestiques, yeah. the guys who were never even close to the top of the boards. Like the the best example, we could all name our favorite ones, but Jan's yeah. Voigt. Yeah. Jan's Voigt was always my favorite. Yeah. That Shut guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that guy would sit on the front. There was uh, back when Andy and Frank Schleck uh, brothers who were very, very good for Trek Segafredo, um, really fell off. I mean, great. Like they, they, they battled back and forth with Contador in his prime. Uh, Jan's Voigt had, I forget what stage it was. He sat on the front to break apart that group. Like, like sky does now, but he does it just more heroically. Somehow there's like something cooler about him. You can just see it on his face. Like the guy just thrashed himself for like a half hour on the front. 
and breaks up the group and Andy goes on and wins the stage. Yeah. It's because Team Sky has like three or four guys yeah. doing it and it was yeah. just Jan's weight. I mean, yeah. It was, it was just, so I mean, low. like Trek was like, all right, who, what, what domestiques do we have that can hold that? Just Jan's. Okay. Yeah. 30 minutes Jan's go. And that was basically what, what it was for, for They a would bit. refer to those, those primary domestiques as their main lieutenant, correct? Mm-hmm. And yep. that would yep. be the guy that was like your massive disruptor that would always be you know, serving yeah. the, the number one. So yeah, the, the, the guy who, if he didn't have that role probably could be a top 10 yeah. finisher. Yeah. He's a very selfless guy that yeah. has a huge capacity. And George, George Hincapie is the, is the American yeah. Lieutenant. I yeah. mean, he was you know, the Lieutenant. You'll hear announcers say like super domestique, super domestique, which is yep. like potentially someone who could be a contender on their own. And now they're, mm-hmm. but they're, you know, helping out someone else yeah. instead. It's almost fun to play that role sometimes. Cause oh, yeah. you know, if I got to play that role for either one of you and you guys won, I would feel like I won. Yes. Yeah. And exactly. yeah. it, it not for nothing. It, it's hard. You got to go out there and work your butt off. But when you're getting ready for a race and you know that that's your only job is to go out there and support one of your teammates for that particular day, it takes so much pressure off of me personally. But I think for mm-hmm. a lot of people in general, when you know in the back of your head, I'm not trying to win this race. No. I'm just going to go out there and make everybody else hurt mm-hmm. and I'm going to have fun doing it. And I'm yeah. going to hopefully put my teammate in a position to win. Yeah. That is fun. And it, and it takes a special type of personality to do that because I mean, think about the level of fitness that takes. Yeah. You're right there with everybody else yeah. who's trying to win that race. Yeah. But you're basically taking it on yeah. yourself to say, I, I don't care if I finish dead last yeah. in this race. Yeah. One of my favorite races in 2018 was the Kings Valley Road Race. Mm-hmm. And that was because the goal was to um, send Sean and Chris, two of our teammates, out. And it was fun just like playing protagonist and you kind of start to get a little bit of a reputation about yourself when you're riding really well. So whenever you're going on attack, the whole field gets up and starts chasing you down and you're thinking in the back of your head, like, ha ha, I'm just trying to wear out your yeah, legs. You're the you're, carrot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it worked. It yeah. worked splendidly. I mean, there was a couple mm-hmm. of times where we broke away and Sean did a fantastic job of, of getting Chris even further out there and Chris made it stick and won mm-hmm. on a solo break. Yeah. So that was super fun. And playing that, that role of domestic for myself and even Sean for Chris to win was spectacular. And yeah. It was such a great day. Yeah. So. This is where cycling is so much more of a team sport than people realize until they start yeah. watching it. Yeah. There's, there's no way you win a race without a team. Yeah. It's I interesting because there's like one guy in the world who can do that. Peter Sagan there. I yeah, mean, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah. Literally one guy in the entire world who can do that. Yeah. Sure. And that's yeah. It's interesting. It's running and swimming. It's not like that. No, you don't have any so, of that. Swimming. You're that literally in separate lanes. Yeah. Like there's actually well, yeah. and, and, and running. You're all in there together and there's drafting and things like that, yeah. but it's just not the same. And again, yeah. it's specific to road right racing. Yep. You don't see mm-hmm. that in mountain biking. You or, don't really see that in cyclocross. Cyclocross. You don't, you don't either. Time trialing. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's just that road that has that yeah. chess component to it. That's what I love about road racing. It is. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's such a math equation too. Sometimes yeah. it's very, very but, cool. And crit racing is too crazy too, right? It has a little bit of a It's team. got its strategy. It's it got does. strategy and some well, team components there. strategy for sure. Yeah. Yeah, team components. You have lead out stuff for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Do some so, but I'm thinking crit. like domestique style stuff. It doesn't seem like it yeah. has that. Crit, probably crits to me were always like, well, this is also because I was terrible at crits, but okay. my goal was <laughs> about eight, nine laps out from the finish, try and go. If it doesn't work, game over. Yeah. So you're either trying to go early or you stick in for the sprint. Yeah. There's only so two options. For all the triathlon people out there listening to you right now, do you want to explain to them what a crit or AKA criterium? Criterium <laughs> racing is? Yeah. yeah. So 
uh, criterium racing is basically take a take a road race course. Let's say you do a 24 mile loop on a on a road race course and shrink it down to like a mile or a quarter or like three quarters of a mile. Yeah, it's like four or five, maybe six turns. Yeah, yeah. You do a ton of laps on it. Yep. And there's kind of sprinkled in incentives to um, some races will have preem laps. Yes. A preem lap being they'll usually ring the bell uh-huh. every every race after. They, they, so they, you they know that particular bell. lap. Yeah. There's incentive yeah. To, to be the first one across the line. So it's a race within a race. Exactly. You, usually like tubes or tires, popcorn once. I saw popcorn Pop beer. once. Nice. Beer. Now, yeah. There are some certain races too where you actually get points and it could be a point race. Mm-hmm. It could be one of those things where like you get a certain amount of points for being the first finisher, but within yep. the race there could be like two, three, four preems and you get points for that as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the PIR, the Portland International Raceway is a perfect example of that. That's how that works. It's a points race. So it's not necessarily yeah. the person that's the first one to cross the line at the finish. It's whoever has the most cumulative points and see this is this is where I love that that criterion racing does that because it's a yeah. lot like the green jersey in the Tour de France. Yeah, yeah. So it's like do do you want to save all your your bullets for that final sprint and get the mass points? Yeah. Or do you want to be the guy who gets second? Yeah. At a bunch of preem laps and then on the last one maybe get seventh or eighth, but you accumulate yeah. a lot of yeah. points. So yeah. you've, you've got to be paying attention to all the the, the characters involved. You got to know who's yeah. got it in them, and yeah. then you got to pay attention to those guys, and then you got to keep point tabs on them, and you got to keep yeah. point tabs on yourself, and then you got to save enough bullets for the end of the race so that you can put yourself across the finish line in a position where you get enough points to yeah. you know place as high as possible. It's like the most exhausting forty five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is more exhausting? Um, I'm not somebody who has raced cyclocross. Which is more exhausting, a cyclocross or crit race? Oh. On, on average, I know I know it depends on the type of race. If you're gonna but, just yeah. compare time to time, I, I, yeah. I'd have to say that a cross race is more difficult. That's okay. just my two cents. Because probably by wattage. Yeah, probably. you can't yeah. sit in at all on a cross yeah. race. I mean, you're pretty much just out there, just laying down watts and going as hard as you can, and you're sucking in dirt and you're running, running and jumping off your bike. I mean, there's just a lot of variables there. Mm-hmm. A crit race, you can kind of get lost in there just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd rather do a cross race though, because the, the crashing doesn't yeah. hurt as bad. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. A little bit slower speeds. Yeah. All right, moving on. Okay. That's about all that I, well, I do have also, so here, here's another French word. This is, I'm sure I'm butchering these. I hope we have somebody French listening who can just correct me on all this, but Rolier is the next. Rolier, Rolier, Rolier. Sounds good to me. Okay. <laughs> I, I was wrong on this. So I have my whole life thought Rolier was the, the guy who's good at literally a rolling course that's probably correct the okay so <clears throat> the the reference point that we're referring to a lot mm-hmm. of these different types of riders uh is something that sean henry sent me yesterday uh which was cool because he did this test on Sufferfest, and it says a whole bunch of stuff about you you know ftp all this different things and it also says like what type of rider you are mm-hmm. uh and then sean was dubbed an attacker um, but mm-hmm. Sean, definitely thanks for uh, sending this our way. And, you know, any of our listeners that want to send us topics for us to discuss, like, go for it. Please yeah. do, because oh, yeah. it's awesome to have yeah. the feedback. But I, just because the Sufferfest has, you know, a rollier and, you know, an all-arounder kind of being described as the same thing, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't know if this is, like, a definitive yeah. definition. Yeah, yeah. And, this is, and this is where I think all, all-arounders an interesting term in cycling, because... I mean, how do you really define an all, like, I mean, an all-rounder obviously would be somebody who's good at all things, but are there some things that may be more important than others? Like to, to me, it would still need to be somebody who can climb well. Yeah. Cause if you can't climb well, you're not going to be there at the end of any race, you yeah. know, or, or any big time race. So 
I think it's that guy who's not, you know, your tiny, super lean, high uh, watts per kilo guy, but doesn't have a, you know, 1500 plus five second sprint. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think this is where you're putting it more as that guy who in the group ride can sit there and take pull after pull after pull, no matter the terrain and be pretty strong the whole time. You know, he's not going to be the first guy up the climb, but he's, he's going to be there in the mix. Yeah. He's always going to be in the mix. Yeah. And always pushing the pace. Yeah. So I think it's hard to define some of these things for yeah, sure. For an all arounder, if you go online, you look on mm-hmm. the old Wikipedia, yeah. <laughs> they the will Wiki. define it as a racing cyclist who excels in both climbing and time trawling and may be a decent sprinter in stage races. An all arounder is likely to place well in the GC. So, so, so in this Sufferfest article, they, they mentioned people like Peter Sagan, who, if you use mm. that definition, he can't mm. time trial very well. I mean, all, I mean, he's way better than us, but like still like yeah, on that serviceable sc- yeah. on that scale. He's but not I mean, on, on like Von two, he's getting dropped he's getting out the, on, you know, he's getting dropped off the caboose. But like you that's, know, he's not trying either. Yeah. That's now true. if, well, if, yeah. if that's you like were to tell him stage. like, Hey, if you go win that, if you get to that top before anybody else and you put mm-hmm. like a big dollar sign on it he's going to go after it, you know? Yeah. yeah. So he just, he's, he's playing he's, his part. He knows his he, role. This he, is, he could go after it. He this is not, where I would put on two. He would not be one of the top guys. No, he's not going to beat the likes of a uh, Chris Froome or, uh, oh, yeah. um, whomever, just any of the yeah. climbers. I, I, I would say like, like right now I would say Julian Alaphilippe or Valverde right. or Philip Gilbert. I yep. feel like those are all rounders. Sagan, I mean, is an incredible cyclist and probably could be put into that group, but, He's almost too far to that sprint side because yeah because Sagan can line up and win a sprint too yeah I don't know but I think when you like talk about any one day classic any yeah. mm-hmm. one day race that's true you always have to talk about him regardless of well you do yeah although let me backtrack on, on that he uh, doesn't have a great classics record though co- no. co- compared to like yeah. one of the greats like Cancellara now yeah. compared to ninety nine percent of your cyclists yes yeah, you see a good all arounder I mean yeah he can time trial. He can climb on those classic on races. Kopenberg, yeah. It, other times, he's not super well known for climbing. Yeah, but it's, it's. I would put Fabian Moore as just a time. I'm, I'm not gonna say just a time trial because he has a great classics record. Yeah. yeah, but that was his thing. Is he would. 20k out get away and stay away he's done it a couple times late in races but he was very rarely i I think maybe once or twice his career line up and win a group sprint i think our best definition would be someone like valverde yes who you know is going to do well in classics is going to do well in stage races so that's multiple types of terrain and just Mm -hmm. very different types of racing and he'll he'll be kind of in the mix all the time so yeah I think he's a good option yeah i think he's better choice for kind of that all-around person than someone like peter sagan yeah but i don't know they're, they're saying here that one of the best all-time all-arounders would be Mr. Eddie Merckx. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. and then the <laughs> notable all-arounders more recently: Armstrong, Alberto Contador, Nibali, and Chris Froome. Armstrong. Well, some okay. So Lance. some of these. Hmm. Yeah. Um, That's what they have listed. Yeah. Um, yeah. He won. He well, he, he won a world tri- championship when he was young. Yeah. Time trial. He was strong in time trial. The yeah. best. Yeah. yeah. And climb because I mean that's part yeah. of the game right I yeah. don't know and same thing with like Froome and any of the guys that are all you know that are contenders for the, the whole thing are going to be able to time trial and climb yeah so because that kind of depends on how you define I, that all I define around. those guys as, as GC contenders if you can yep. time trial and climb you're a GC contender an all rounder to me is also somebody who needs to be good in one day classics too or yeah, at yeah. least yeah. competitive in, in one day classics yeah. yeah so I have one final question on this whole topic yeah if you 
knowing what you are, is that where you would want, is that the, the person or the type of cyclist you want to be? And if not, what would you want to be? Oh, wow. besides well, an all-arounder like, besides yeah, an all-arounder say all-arounder yeah besides an all-arounder what would you want to be it has to be different than what you are now or what would, would you classify yourself as right i now? would so so i'll say what i want to be and then what i am uh-huh. i would love to be an attacker being somebody who can put out great two to three minute power again again and again i think an attacker somebody with really good lactate threshold recovery yeah am i that no i don't think i'm that yeah but what i am is deadpan average okay time trialist climber oh, you got that build climber yeah, yeah. but the, the thing is i don't consider myself only a pure climber because well, i mean the way we race i'm not sure is... if i'm small enough to be in the cycling world a pure pure climber yeah you know yeah and i i'm i'm gonna be very similar to you right like yeah you just think body types and things like that this is what a lot of your triathletes are gonna be yep yeah it's like we're gonna be okay time trialists. serviceable yeah okay time trialists <laughs> and decent maybe decent climbers. Yeah. If, you know, but especially if you came from running, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to be a climber by nature. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. How about you, know. Matt? Yeah. So, um, what would I want to be besides all arounder? I don't know. I think, um, sprinting would be really fun. <laughs> right. I just think that's, that's the other side of the spectrum. Uh, I, I think, um, one of the cycling types that they defined in here was a pursuiter which is someone that can go with like five minutes, you know, or something like that. Like they don't have that last surge, and, but they can go from five minutes out, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of those people that's like, if he gets away, he's got it. Those are the heroic bike wins. I mean, bike They're race cool. wins. Think, think like the best moments in cycling history are always like when or, where a guy goes away at like the 10 K mark and somehow stays somehow away. Pulls yeah. It off. That's very I, yeah I think that's pretty cool. So maybe something like that. I mean, I, I think time trials is cool just because, that's you know what what triathletes kind of lend themselves towards but mm-hmm. but yeah i think pursuiter would be pretty cool i mean five minutes out bam go and hope for the best yeah yeah hope hope they give you just a minute right like <laughs> yeah that, that hesitation wait is yeah. that the go yep, yeah that's it yeah <laughs> that's kind of like your yens void too i mean that's that's he yeah, would that's go exactly a lot further out than, but yeah, yeah he'd love to yeah. go he's always yeah. attacking you and know? that's and that's why jans void and philip gilbert were two of my favorite cyclists because yeah. gilbert was that thing you knew he was going at 10k yeah and you knew the group had to look at each other and be like oh crap do we let him go like do <laughs> like how how much do we give him yeah <laughs> well, do you think vincenzo nibbly is like that too but on the hills like i just felt like what, what yeah, year did he win? Well, he he'll won. he'll go anywhere because he's won San Remo too, and I yeah. mean he'll he'll go he he won Juan San Remo just by gapping on a descent. Yeah. So I mean you know it's yeah it's it's that type of rider that yeah. can just at any moment in that last twenty k of a race you don't know when he's right. going to go. I mean, and it was more on climbs and stuff like that. But I remember mm-hmm. just thinking like that. I mean, you know when he's going to go. He's the five k to go on the la- on the climb. Like he will go, and it's just a matter of. Will anyone be able who, to hang? Who can stay so, with him? Yeah. So, I, you know, things might be different when, when you know, he's hanging on. But yeah. you know, in the case where he's in the driver's seat, like that's what he does. Like that's yep. the playbook. Yeah. Everyone knows what's gonna happen. God, there. I'd love to be able to do that on a climb. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right on. All right, Jake. Um, I think I would. Was it the French term puncher? Like a puncher? Puncher. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Uh-huh. That, I think that's me. Uh, someone who is specializes in the rolling terrain, short but steep climbs. Um, yeah. I mm-hmm. think that I've got the ability to put out the watts, and it's not so long that my uh, mass catches up with me. <laughs> I think um, I think your KOMs would would definitely prove that. Yeah. <laughs> most of your KOMs are that those type of rides. Yeah, and then I I really the domestique i love that role i love that position i I love winning bike races don't get me wrong but i get like more satisfaction out of helping others and i think that Mm -hmm. that's a really spectacular thing so yeah Yeah. 
All right. All right. So when are we all going to sign with these teams? Because I mean, we just dropped all these riders. Now we got to ride with them, right? It seems to me yeah. like the dialed cycling team is just a whole bunch of domestiques. Like all of us, <laughs> just, yeah. the whole team is do just kind of like. Do we have any like pure finishers on the team? You know, the guys who just like whether you're a pure sprinter or just like an elite climber, and that's like, do we have anybody? For the climbing, gosh. I mean, Chris Handel's a great climber. He's a great climber. Um, Jordan's a great climber. Jordan is Jordan's definitely another great but climber. Jordan doesn't race that much. Yeah. he's He raced a little bit more last year. I think That's he's awesome. going to come yeah, out. He'll, he'll race quite a bit this year. Yeah. Nice. You just, that guy's got a big motor, and he's yeah. so mm-hmm. trained always. He's, yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't seem like he's ever out of shape. He rides so. a lot of miles. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. I ride ten to 12,000 miles a year. So. Jeez. Um, but, yeah, it, it, in terms of, like, a pure finisher sprint-wise – Gosh, I don't know. Um, you would be the the sprinter, right? I've won a few sprints. Yeah, yeah. But Lance, as soon as he decides to, oh, I don't think I'm gonna win a five race. <laughs> Jeez, come on, yeah, you kidding me, guy. Lance? Oh, golly gee, guys! I, know. I just don't think I have the finishing power. <laughs> we can make fun of him because he's not here, right? I think we can. He's on a boat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't All know. Right. It's gonna be fun to watch him race this year. I know. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's yeah. do one last thing. All right, run around the table. One last thing. Matt, you go first. Oh, my gosh. I don't have anything. Um, okay. I'll always say thanks to our listeners and thanks for anyone that is interested in chiming in and watching our live stream. You can go to the YouTube channel. Um, you know, if you hop on YouTube and you search for Dialed Podcast, uh, we should be up on the list and you should subscribe to the Dialed Podcast while you're subscribing to YouTube channels. You can hop <laughs> on over to my channel, which is youtube.com slash imlagrand. You can um, learn all about triathlon, which I know you guys are dying to know there's about. There's more than just triathlon there, stuff. And there's, there might be. There's things there sprinkled in there for just about everybody that likes the uh, the endurance stuff. Yes. So. And so um, I think uh, this week I'm going to talk about swimming and stroke rate, which is pretty interesting. Actually, Evan, you might want to check that out. It's, um, yes. there's going to be like, I'm going to talk about a little, little, Matt, there's children listening to this show. Yes. Yes. There's this little like <laughs> metronome thing that you can, uh, continue Matt. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a little metronome thing called a tempo trainer. And you can basically like, it just beeps at you and you can kind of start, you know, swimming to a specific stroke rate, which is cool. Jake. And, uh, <laughs> then, um, then I'm going to talk about track work, uh, as well this week. So cool. Some cool videos coming out for sure. Mm-hmm. And Evan, some of your I was gonna say videography the, work might show up. Yes. I was actually, that was going to be, so my one last thing is that that'll be fun to see. I kind of yes. want to see what, when Matt's going to put together and also anybody on Saturday mornings who likes to run and yeah. likes to do stuff on tracks, please come join me. Cause I was lonely this, this last Saturday morning. Everybody was out riding. Gotta figure out the timing of stuff. I know, and it's cold in the mornings. I will admit the the track was icy. So, and on on this coming Saturday, I'm gonna do an indoor triathlon, which is weird. It's like a 10 minute swim. Is that Lackamas? Yeah, 10 minute swim. See how far you can go. 20 minute bike ride. See how far you can go. 10 minute run. See how far you can go. It's gonna be super weird. Are you running on a treadmill? When is that? When is that? It's Saturday morning. I don't know what time. How I got to figure it out before I go. Yeah. I won't be there. there. Yeah. Am you I could do the bike part? Am I maybe allowed to join? <laughs> yeah. I'll I think, think anyone. About joining. Yeah. I mean, you'll destroy all of us. I'm not sure about but that. But you know what? You, yeah. you would have fun. And it would be. It sounds like a fun little workout. Yeah. I know. I'm doing it because I don't think I'll do that well. And I think it'll be motivating to get my butt kicked. So it's good. That sounds fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One last thing, Evan. That, that was my one last thing. Yeah. Is somebody one come and join I me on Saturday at the track? It's something that I want to do. Oh, okay. Well, Jake, Jake can bring his cross bike, and you can ah, do the, the infield. Supposed to say and a ride, and a ride. Okay. There, yeah, Never mind. yeah. All right, my one last thing is I just want to thank again and Evan for the mm-hmm. people who are um, watching. Can you uh, 
take little said trophy and, and show it to the folks. I was going to suggest the that earlier. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the trophy is probably hard to see on the live stream, yeah, but it don't is, get hung up with your uh, your headphones, there, buddy. <laughs> but the, go put that in front of the camera just so they can see that. It's actually really cool. Yeah, it's. it's I didn't realize that the team championship trophy. I mean, this thing is nice. It's pretty stinking sweet. So we were. Uh, God, I still can't believe we won. At the beginning of the year, we talked about finishing in the top three and to have more points. I remember that. That, that, that was the goal was top was three. Just nuts. So, and we still got shorted points, you guys, but I'm not going to go there. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we're missing several hundred more points, the, but I, I, there were too many points. It just, you get to the point where you can't keep on counting it up. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you, as someone that manages all those points things, they're a nightmare to keep track yeah. of. Imagine, like, yeah. Because ta- if you're taking points away from a team and, and redistributing them as other teams, it's just like, you just realize it's going to be an absolute nightmare. It's yeah. just a mess. But so it's okay. Keep up the good work, Oprah. Yeah, that's my one last thing. Is just thanks to everybody on our team who went out and raced. I'm looking forward to uh, 2019. It's just right around the corner. Um, season that's starts crazy. in, in that's less crazy. than two months now, if you can believe that or when not. When did Jack Frost? First week in March? March 10th. March, March 10th. 10th. Yeah. We've you got to do that one, right? You're going to do mm-hmm. March 10th? You're, yep. you're okay with that date? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. We've got I our think- training camp coming up uh, in about a month. I'm going to try to recruit a lot of people to do that Jack Frost race because yeah. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. We, we, we always have a bet for Jack Frost. Jake, what's it going to be this year? Me and oh, you. Oh, geez. I'm going to be on the TT bike, so yep. it's going yeah, to be uh, gotta change it up. straight up. Uh, I got to be able to keep up with you. Well, all right. We'll figure it out. We'll come up. Jake's going to struggle to keep tune up. Tune into another <laughs> podcast where Jake and I will negotiate some sort of bet. For the Jack Frost time trial. Uh, Yeah, that'll be fun and interesting. If I can get into that position, I think I'm going to try and give you a run for your money. Yeah. My legs feel freaking good right now. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Well, you could, yeah. I don't don't think his shoulder's going to hold him back, Matt. I I would not be. No, no, no. The bet is usually something along the lines of like me with all the time trialing gear versus Jake on a bike. And I on a steel to, bike, <laughs> on a steel bike, but I haven't won yet. So yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. So we're safe, but we'll, it's still fun to bet. I mean, we'll come up yeah. with like a handicap for the bet and see if you can stay on that. Yeah, what we're gonna, yeah. or we can make him your two minute man or something. Yeah, like we'll that. have to make a little yeah. video. Um, yeah, when fun. we go out to just have train. me just shake that bike down. Yeah, go out to the the Frenchman's bar area and that. we'll kind of go play bikes out there mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. if i come up with a little bit while we're, while we're out there yeah yeah if i if i get mine set up in time we can go out there sure as a team Ooh, sure that'd be fun yeah, yeah. On, everybody's it's super on this, fun everybody's yeah. on their sleek all black because you your truck's all black too right yep. oh it'll be like black matted out crew that's yeah. gonna be cool <laughs> <laughs> so all right that is a wrap for this show you guys it was fun um missing lance he will be back next week if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think he will because so. it, it was a ten day trip. He should be back. Oh, he's, Lance yeah. will be back more more of Lance than ever with, <laughs> yes. the, with his eating. <laughs> Evan <situation>. Romance <laughs> will be gone. <laughs> um, if you guys want to, like Matt said, um, like our or subscribe to our YouTube channel, it's just Dow Podcast, and go in there and, and give us a um, subscribe and a little bell thingy, whatever that is, yeah. to get yep. notifications of our live streams and other things that we'll be posting. Um, check us out on Facebook at Dow Podcast and the Instagrams at Dow Podcast. Oh, I yeah. shared all that information with you and uh, Lance, with Matt and Lance. Did you guys happen to post any pictures this past no. week? No. I got to get on that. I was so stinking busy. We need to take some seconds. Monday pictures, okay. like at the pool, just before we start swimming yeah. and stuff. We can yeah. take some pictures. That's one thing yeah. that I am looking forward to more than just being outside uh, yep. more than anything is just being able to take pictures again i love taking pictures yep. yep i can't do that when i'm sitting on the trainer nobody wants to see a big sweaty guy with a big sweaty <laughs> puddle of water underneath him riding his bike indoors yeah. like Ooh. yeah <laughs> so i'll share more when we get to that so anyway you guys thanks for listening so much we really appreciate that we will see you next week bye for now